Our second reading this day comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him, Jesus, in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and you teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. Friends, for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. be seated. I remember one year, I, I think it was the year of the pandemic in 2020, uh, well, the start of the pandemic in 2020. I remember reading this article about those, those faceless, nameless IRS workers we pay taxes to. And I remember reading about how this one year in particular, there was an increased number of threats against these uh, uh, workers, including death threats that people would write out to them, I guess, and put it in the envelopes that they mail. We're talking about people, people like you and me who don't have control over how much you pay or why. They, they're only there to receive, to process our payments. They don't really deserve that kind of hate. So I remember I wrote out my quarterly payment uh, with a note with some kind words, not thinking much about it, until a few months later, having forgotten I did that, I got a letter from the IRS, and I thought, shoot, <laughs> I forgot a payment somewhere, or I underpaid. But when I opened the letter, I found a kind note in return from whoever the 
uh, head of that, that uh, department was thanking me for the kind note I sent months before. Nobody likes to pay taxes, and as a clergy person, I'll testify that there's a whole other level that goes into that, which for someone who's already bad at math means that I'm better off paying someone to handle my taxes uh, for fear of really making a mess of things. Which makes the feeling of having to write out that quarterly check less palatable. But the truth is we live in a complex world with complex systems that don't always feel just, don't always feel equitable, yet we hear in the reading from Matthew this morning, Jesus encouraging those who gathered around him to render unto the emperor, to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to give to God what is God's. What does this mean for us who live in this cultural climate that seems to value the I over us. What does it mean, what alone even look like for us to render unto God the things that are God's? There are people in the reading from Matthew who hope to trap Jesus by asking, is it lawful to pay taxes or not? Saying no would have labeled Jesus pretty instantly as a traitor, someone who is committing this act of treason against the Roman Empire, an act against Caesar. Saying yes would imply that Jesus is encouraging people and somehow endorses the Roman Empire and wants people to submit themselves to this power that they don't have any control over, which would have been seen as quite a sinful act in Jesus's time. But Jesus doesn't fall into their trap. Instead, Jesus turns the question around on them. Jesus answered them in a way that challenged those in the crowd and challenges us to think about what it means for us to be people who claim to be the hands and feet of God in the world. Asking the crowd for a coin, Jesus shows it to them and asks, whose face is on this coin? What title is on it? And when they reply that it is a picture of Caesar, who is the emperor, Jesus tells them, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. What's remarkable about this is that Jesus manages to find a way to give a subversive answer without actually being subversive. It's one of my favorite things about Jesus is he finds a way to be cheeky, a way to turn the tables on our expectations and to reframe life anew. To reframe life in such a way that declares we are not the center of the universe. And perhaps our love of money, our love of other material things, is not as life-giving as we think it is. In this reading, we find that there are a few key reminders for us, one being that we are called into citizenship to live as people in the kingdom of God. We are called to live as citizens of the kingdom of God, not of Caesar. And I say the kingdom of God because the vision Jesus casts 
cast for our lives together does not fall within any earthly definition of kingdom, which is always seeking more land, is always seeking more resources and influence, is always trying to economize in such ways where people are always going to be at a lower level where they can be taken advantage of. We are called to live as citizens in the kingdom of God and to exercise our citizenship in such a way that welcomes, in such a way that cares for all who enter. Our citizenship in the kingdom of God is not static. It's not something that once it's earned, expects nothing of us in return. It feels like an ever more important reminder for us as we look and discern the ways in which we've extended or not extended that calling as people in the kingdom of God. Because as we discern what it means for us to live in God's kingdom, we realize in many ways how broken things are. We can't seem to agree on aid, whether it be foreign or domestic, for people who have nothing, for people who are hurting, for people who are innocent and simply in the way of harm. We can't seem to see the worth of human life or even mourn these days the loss of life of children without being labeled as a sympathizer, as X, Y, or Z. We can't seem to even mourn life. And while we argue, while all this is going on, while we argue amongst ourselves as to whether the building that we worship in is up to snuff, or whether we have things ready for this service or that service, we wonder why people aren't coming to church. We might need to look at whether Caesar has crept into our practice of faith, and if so, reaffirm our commitment to live as people who God claims, people who live in the kingdom of God. That builds on the second fact for this morning that's a reminder for us of integrating our faith into our daily living. What's important to remember is that being a citizen in the kingdom of God means that we must learn to hold multiple things together, sometimes things that seem contradictory together. We can be residents of New York. We can be citizens of the United States all while cultivating a rich understanding of those who live in different places and working towards the betterment and securing the well-being of all God's people and creation. I believe Jesus would have us begin by assessing how we integrate our faith into our daily lives. And it's a challenge, I know, to expand our view of the world through the lens of our living God, who made the ultimate sacrifice regardless of what would have been deemed a profitable choice. It's a challenge for us to assess how we live and whether our faith will empower us, not so that we can live as subjects to Caesar and live as subjects to systems that place value on worth, but as people who live with the good news written boldly and profoundly on our hearts. To live as people 
who integrate our faith in our daily living, not as people who compartmentalize our faith, depending on where we are at any one particular time. Lastly, we hear in the reading this morning a thought about how we can be stewards of our resources. I remember taking a train one time as a seminary student from New York uh, City to Princeton. And on the way back, a homeless person was walking up the middle of the train car asking for money. To be honest, giving money uh, to those who I see on the street or those who appear to be homeless is not my standard practice of expressing care. But for some reason, I felt different that day. And as he walked past, I dropped in uh, a $5 bill. As he walked past, I could hear other passengers speaking down on the individual saying, why don't they just get a real job instead of bothering us every day? They have time to be here, it seems. Why can't they do something productive? As a student, I certainly didn't have much in the way of resources, but I felt called on that particular day to be a steward of what I had. And even if that only meant giving this person $5, I hope I offered them a sense of something more, a sense of compassion, a sense of love, a sense of dignity. We cannot know every person's circumstance, but we know what is on our hearts. We have control over what is on our hearts. We have agency over how we treat our fellow neighbors. And that, too, is an act of stewardship. We give Caesar what is Caesar's because there are things outside of our control. That there are resources that go to things we cannot possibly fully comprehend whether that be maintaining the roads we drive on or the schools where our children learn, or whether that be supporting and providing resources to the least of these. And we give to God the things that are God's, which is our whole selves. Because if we are to walk this journey of life and faith, we cannot do so without acknowledging that it is God who gives us breath who gives us breath and life in our being, not our capital or talents or anything else. Giving to God the things that are God's goes beyond the exercise of coming to church on Sunday. It goes beyond putting what we have into an offering plate on Sunday morning. May we turn from Caesar's grasp to serve our living God, who calls us into relationship, that inspires us so that we may remember we belong to God who created all things, sustains all things, and rules over the heavens and the earth. A God who calls us into relationship, not just with God, but with one another, with creation and relationships that take us outside the bubbles we tried to hide inside and out into the broader kingdom of creation. Amen.